Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. We're going to be talking about body dysmorphia disorders, eating, hit on nutrition. We're going to do some stuff. We're going to talk about some things. Um, while we're doing that, make sure that you are at home hitting the like button, subscribing to the channel, and doing the world uh, algorithmic folks. Um, <clears throat> Now, we're going to get into conversation, but before we do that, I do want to remind everybody that none of us are doctors and that the stuff that we're talking about, again, comes from our own personal experience and um, anything that we do come up with, it is based off of what we have experienced. Any other disclaimers you guys think we need to hit on any of this? Not a disclaimer, but something I have noticed recently is when you jump in to start off the podcast, sometimes it takes a moment for it to stabilize and your voice is kind of in and out. And Ooh. like uh, on the stream, there's when you said, I didn't hear a freaking word that you said when you did this. Uh, are you guys getting the dropouts as well? Yeah. I did, I did. Interesting. A little bit I, there at the beginning. Yeah. It takes okay. about, it takes a few seconds for it to stabilize. Now we're stable. Uh, just a point to note for maybe you can talk to the tech nerds over on the platform. Yeah. I'll take a little uh, chat with uh, tech support here and go talk yeah. to the IT guys. And I've noticed it for a while, but it was bad enough today. Not so bad, but it was bad enough that it's notable and so, we got to do something just about quick, it. Just, just a quick question. How many people are in tech support so we can make sure this is sorting out? There, there's there's a good number. It, there's going to be a meeting. Um, there's going to have to be some direct lunch. communication. Yeah, they'll have to buy lunch. Yeah, it's going to be uh, maybe maybe ice cream. We'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, we are. So yeah, we we are obviously we're not doctors. We do have a couple of comments right off the bat. I'm not sure because I wasn't listening to the end of your live though, Sean. So I don't know what happened. You here, but... weren't listening to a lot of it. Chris... You didn't even sign in as Chance Burles. <laughs> I didn't even get to do my good morning, y'all, you clown. <laughs> yeah, it was the wrong account. I realized uh, that. Yeah, my, totally. Yeah, that's my bad. Sorry about that. Yeah, 100%. Um, no, uh, no. You've ruined my day. I've ruined your day. <laughs> I think maybe I have ruined like 10 seconds. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, but it was a notable 10 seconds. That's all I'm going to say. Well, you know, I, I am that big of a deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Um, so... Chris K said, starts off with a thanks for Chance Burrows. He might have been working the problem to get this on time. I, I wasn't. I was actually waiting for Sean. That was, that was <laughs> basically the whole Winter Storm says, good morning, everybody. Another warm, uh, worthy topic. Patrick Gundel, good morning, gentlemen. And then uh, Carl says, duct tape fixes everything. <laughs> Check it in. Roger that. Um, so before we get into the actual topic or anything like that, uh, I'm just going to do a quick definition of body dysmorphia for anybody that doesn't know. I'm pulling this right off of the internet, so do tell me if I'm uh, incorrect or if you guys uh, disagree with it. But it says here, body dysmorphic disorder is a mental health condition characterized by the obsessive idea that some aspect of one's own body part or appearance is severely flawed and therefore warrants exceptional measures to hide and or fix it. People with uh, BDD think about the real or perceived flaws for hours each day, and they can't control their negative thoughts and don't believe people who tell them that they look fine. That sound about accurate as a baseline for body? Generally smoking? speaking, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's... Uh... <laughs> Before I get that, Winterstorm says the collective ID part, IT department is right behind the makeup department on being, on being close to being fired. There's literally memos in the mail right now on how they're fired. 100%, yeah. They, but IT department is definitely that close. So <clears throat> let's step into body dysmorphia. Let's uh, talk about it a little bit. Uh, Satch, do you want to lay some groundwork for us? Sure, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, so my experience with body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia. Um, I don't, okay, so I don't even know if I actually have it or have had it, but... Sorry, just a I sec. Chance, can you turn up a Sanchez audio I'm, game, please? I'm jacking his mic right now. <laughs> Thank you. So um, <clears throat> so I don't know if I have it or have had it, but I have competed in bodybuilding for a number of years. And in that environment, I would try to be very... Mm, I would want to improve everything so that I could compete at a level that was satisfactory to my standard. So through that process, I think I developed some issues in, in, in terms of, um, you know, 
observing my own physique and then critiquing it over a period of time, day after day after day, naturally, I think it transitioned into a bit of a dysmorphia for me, uh, which has taken some time to address. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's my limited experience with it. Roger. Karen, you want to um, your experience? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like Sean's mentioned before, um, I kind of went from uh, Team Canada, you know, five days a week, six hours a day uh, to sedentary, you know, both knees being operated on and then putting on 60 pounds. Um, and I think for me, the body dysmorphia really wasn't even something that was was on my radar at the time because I was so... Uh, I was just, you know, nobody was telling me, hey, you know, you're you're kind of getting out of shape. Nobody was that willing to to put that put that out there. And uh, so I was, you know, perpetuating uh, eating because I wasn't happy and then not being happy because I was eating. And you kind of get into that, you know, that cycle of, you know, it's bad for you, but it makes you feel good at the time. So um then when I got into bodybuilding, it changes. <laughs> and like Satch says, you go from, um, or at least for me, you know, I went from 220 to 100 and 170. And in that time period, you're looking at yourself every day in the mirror because you're comparing, well, you're not comparing yourself to anybody because you're not trying to, you know, look at what everyone else is doing, but you're comparing yourself to yourself. And uh, the more you, the more I got into it, the more experience I got. Um, I, I didn't quite understand when, when I would talk to other bodybuilders that said they were flat. And this is a term, a term that may, basically means like your glycogen, your carbs are, are depleted in your body and you don't really have the, um, the definition that you would when you have a full, full carb load. So on those days, those, those days, they th that stuff really plays with your mind, especially when you're, you know, you're trying to turn yourself into a, a work of art essentially. Right. Um, so when you go to the gym, guys or girls whoever would say you know oh you look really good today but in your own mind you're dealing with the struggle of like i look like crap today that, mm -hmm. that it's a weird reality and i'm sure satch can can attest to this it's it's uh people will give you all the compliments because they're you know you're seeing yourself every day in the mirror you're not actually seeing what they're seeing um and at some point in the in that journey um i don't know there was this there was a point where i was like you know what uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be um, peak every day. What I what I would think, but the general feedback from everybody else was positive. So I tried to focus on that versus what I was thinking myself in, in my own mind. Hmm. Sean, you got any uh, yeah. touch points on that, or Satch, you want to? Yeah, I was gonna just pick back off that a little bit. I think um, it wasn't so much for me like other people because when people would mention oh you look great this that and the other i knew that they didn't really know much about anything so it wasn't really their opinion that mattered to me um when it comes to a physique and fitness and bodybuilding and competitive nature most people in the gym don't know much so their opinion didn't matter however mine did and i do understand what's necessary to compete uh, at that stage and for me it was my weaknesses that i was hyper focused on so let's say my legs or my calf or calves and even like muscle groups that were actually probably above average that would be always focused on these things how do i improve it how do i get bigger how do i get leaner all these types of things and um for me it was uh, a constant battle of trying to figure out how to not think about it all the time and then with the body then it's also with the food is connected to the food so how much food am i eating and then even off season it would be like you know, worried about looking too fat on a regular basis and then eating certain types of food. I shouldn't be eating this. And it's almost a vicious cycle going over and over and over again to make sure that um, you're looking good on day and day, I guess. Yeah. That, that's, that's really, you know, and I'm going through that right now because I'm three weeks um, post, post show. And uh, like I've put on 14 pounds in three weeks. Um, I'm not, I'm, not and I'm enjoying food, right? And there's nothing bad. Yeah. And there's nothing bad with that. What I'm saying is um, like, you know, Satch said, it, it's kind of, it's in your own mind really. And uh, I had, I, I have cheat meals. I'm allowed to have like three cheat meals a week. That's, that's kind of what my coach I'm, you know, I'm still getting coached. I'm still on a, a post season, but yeah, you go from being six, 7% body fat ish, you know, as shredded as you can, your abs look the best that they've ever looked to you know that that water weight and and um 
I wouldn't even call it fat, really. The fluff, um, it starts showing up and it does start immediately start playing tricks on your mind because you're like, oh, no, I'm letting myself go. But you, you're really not. You're just uh, depleted yourself so much that now your body's just grabbing onto all the nutrients that you're putting in your system and, you know, packing it back on as quick as it can. So that just in case you decide to do that again, really. So it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting journey just to go from that to, and I don't look bad. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I look bad at all. I just, it's a uh, counterintuitive to what I was just doing for the last three months of, of prep, which mm-hmm. was cutting all the weight away. And now I'm putting it all back on. Hmm. Sean, you got any thoughts? I do. So I do have a lot of experience. I say a lot. I've got enough experience in this area that I feel like I can talk about it relatively well. As a high-performance race coach, of course, my athletes that I was coaching around the world were mountain bike racers or road racers. And I can assure you that whatever sport is out there that pays attention to body weight, there might not be another sport that pays as much attention to body weight as cycling. At the competitive levels, I'm not talking about the amateur leagues or, you know, the grassroots stuff. I'm talking about hardcore racers with a hardcore focus on squeezing out every drop of performance from their bodies. The reality of racing bikes is you have to go uphill at some point. And when you're going uphill, an extra pound is a ship anchor in a racer's mind. And so my job was to ensure that they got as lean as possible, but held on to enough fat that they stayed healthy for whatever race or whatever season or for whatever campaign we were stepping into. And so for 24 hour solo mountain bike racers, me included, you don't want any extra weight, unnecessary extra weight. But over the course of 24 hours, you're eating your body because you can't fuel enough you're going to literally cannibalize your own muscle structure and your own fat structure throughout the 24-hour cycle, the, the race. And so you've got to come into the race a little heavy, quote-unquote, in an athlete's mind, where I'm, I'm almost obligating them to, I need an extra five pounds on you before that race gun goes off, and here's why, dot, dot, dot. So any time I was working with an athlete at several times a year, but guaranteed at least once a year, I would have to talk to each athlete about, "Mm, you're looking a little lean, or "Mm, I think you need a little bit more reserves. And so cyclists will try to squeeze out maximum performance by shedding weight. My job as a coach was to keep weight on them, if that makes sense, and have these conversations about body dysmorphia. Now, Right now, I'm unshaven. Uh, It's because I don't focus on my looks too much. Because what I have focused on throughout my life is performance. My body looks like it's supposed to look based on what I tell it to do. I'm I'm, I'm a two-part dude. I'm a brain and a body. And my body has no choice but to do what I tell it to do. My brain will insist that my body does certain things. And my body doesn't get a vote. And so all my life, I push my body with my brain and it just does what I tell it to do. And the result of my body today, uh, I'd lift off my shirt and and show you all what the results are, but it's not important because my body looks the way it looks based on all of the years of work that I put into doing the things that I want to do as a performing human. And so I don't focus too much on how big my thighs are or or my forearms are, or how big my ears are, because they're just, they're just tools to me that, the, that my brain is using to do what I want it to do. And so uh, for me, I don't worry too much about shaving, nor do I worry about the perfect haircut. And so I've got it to a point in the conversation where I want it to be right now to launch into this point. I've I've heard guys say it, boldly say it. Jason Subkowicz said it this morning that, listen, men, look at yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself with a critical eye as to, are you 80 pounds overweight? Stop putting your head in the sand. 
Stop burying the lie. Face yourself in the mirror and understand that you can do something about it, not ignore it. But you can get to work on improving your life by dropping some weight. And you can do that through the help of others, or you can do it a little bit each day by yourself. But either way, you got to do it. But here's what I see happening instead of focusing on dropping down to a healthier weight is guys focusing on their haircuts. They don't want to put the work into their body, so they'll go pay 25 bucks for a haircut that's different from the week before, which was different from the week before that, which was different from the week before that, because they feel that they're making a change in their life outwardly. My, my presentation to the world of who I am is based on a fresh haircut. But it's hair. How is it that we lost sight of that? The, the, the human performance element is not being touched, but the frivolous decoration on top of the cake is the focus. So I would like to suggest that uh, there's folks out there that need to flip-flop their criteria as to what to focus on. Forget about the tight haircuts. Start worrying about taking a notch out of your belt. I, <clears throat> it, it's interesting because as you were talking about that, I was realizing that uh, you, you're absolutely right. And the, um, I think the challenge for, or not, I can't say challenge, I think the reasoning at least behind what you're talking about, Sean, is the fact that I can get a haircut anytime I want. Right. And I think that's the big one is the fact that it's going to take what weeks, months, years to fully change your body into something that you want to see versus I can go get a haircut right now. Right. And I think that is, <clears throat> we've talked about this before that our, um, we have our attention spans are so small nowadays. I can't say, I'd say are as in societally wise because for the last 20, 30 years, our attentions have been filled with stuff. And I think that has bled into the body versus hair conversation, if that makes sense. That's I just it. see it as oh, laziness. On. That's it. Laziness? That's all. I mean, there, there's two, you're talking about two different things here. One is a haircut and one is push-ups, we'll call it. Yeah. And so if you want a haircut, the only price you have to pay is open your wallet and pay another 25 bucks. And if you get a haircut every week, now you're paying a hundred bucks a month to maybe feel good about yourself for 12 seconds. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm talking about rather than opening the wallet, people don't want to open the virtual or the, um, I guess the, um, the example of wallet that we all pay every day. And that's the sweat wallet. Like no one wants to pay the sweat wallet, but everyone wants to pay the hairdresser because there's no sweat when you're sitting in a barber's chair chirping and feeling good about yourself for 12 seconds. But once you step out of the barbershop, then what? You haven't changed a thing because there's the cognitive dissonance still in place. You're now 25 bucks poorer and no further ahead than the lie that you're telling yourself to try to feel good about yourself is certainly something that I see happening out there. Hmm. I think that what's helped me, I think what's helped me with getting away from how I look or how I see myself is by focusing on performance and hmm. activities and things, right? Because then like Sean was saying, doing these different types of activities, jujitsu, running, lifting, whatever it is, your body kind of transforms to what you're doing. So it kind of, you get away from the fact of like, oh, how, how do I look? Do I look okay? My hair goes this, that, and the other. But if you focus on performance, how do I get better performance out of my body? For me, that's kind of helped transition away from focusing so much on how I look. Makes sense. Taryn, you got some? Yeah, and I would I'd just add on to what Satch said is <clears throat> you focus on the performance, the rest of it will follow, right? <laughs> I think that's... That's one of the things, and not even just the physical appearance, like your personal life, your social life, sitting here talking to you guys, that wouldn't have been me three years ago, but because I have changed, not the appearance, but what I'm doing on the inside of my body, the rest of it has followed, right? Like I, I have no, I, like, I, like you said, I don't care to have, be shaven or unshaven. I've got long hair. It's all, 
I've I've literally from 16 to 28 had a had a high and tight, right? So I kind of threw the care out the window for the appearance um, of what you see and went focused on the optimizing my performance, and the rest of it just followed. It does. It it all follows itself. It all follows a almost predictable organic unfolding of a life trajectory. The moment that you start to work on yourself internally and then focus a little bit on getting a bit more hard externally, hardening up your body to some degree, facing a bit of adversity, mostly internally, but a little bit externally. The moment that you start doing that, your body will do what it's supposed to do it'll start performing and start shaping itself into the thing that you're supposed to be given that you're heading towards whatever you're heading towards. As a 24 hour solo mountain bike world champion, my body turned into what it needed to, to turn into as a BJJ guy. My body turned into what it needs to turn into as a tier one guy. My body turned into what it was supposed to turn into. My body's results are the outcome of all of the hard work day after day after day of just focusing on doing the job, my job, whatever it was. And I don't worry too much about uh, me thinking that I need to develop my biceps more than my triceps because that's those details get sorted out for me in my functional lifestyle. If I was a bodybuilder, then I would be focusing on the things that are critical to the trajectory that I've chosen for myself to include finding the most amazing tanning <laughs> lotion or whatever I need to, to, to find in order to do that job. And, and the devil is in the details, as they say. And I know it sounds funny to, for me to say that I got to find the best tanning lotion, but that's how my brain works. Because that, that's, that's real too. It's real. And it's but, all part of the process. It's all part of the accepting mediocrity or focusing on excellence. And I'm a relentless pursuer of excellence. So if I step into the bodybuilding world today for the first time today, here's two things that are happening. One is I'm on Amazon looking for the best body tanning uh, lotion there is in the world. And two, I'm going to bring the heat, Taryn. Absolutely. You're, you're now well, number two. You know what I mean? Well, I will not even add on to that. Like, Five days before the show, like I had to, you know, shave my body, exfoliate. Um, I had to apply a bronzer application myself on the Wednesday, then on the Thursday. And then I was there to get a spray tan on Friday. I was up at 4 a.m. on Saturday to get another. Like, like you said, it's in the details. You got to, you can't half-ass it if you, well, at least. Yeah, but you're going to war. You, exactly, you know? exactly. You're going to war. And I'll tell you what, that uh, you can pick any time in history. Let's go back to uh, the first thing that came to mind is as a gladiator. And let's say you're a gladiator who's got juice. Uh, so that means that you're standing there and there's, there's other men who are dressing you in your armor to go to battle. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it should be, man. I mean, yeah. the process of going to battle is a process, whether it's, yeah. whether it's 10 seconds long or 10 minutes long. The devil yeah. is in the details and the moment that you put on that gold applet and then that other gold applet and then you put on your breastplate and then you're, whoa, now it's game on. And that process is so important. So for body dysmorphia and eating disorders, the process shouldn't get you to a point where you're facing body dysmorphia and eating disorders. It shouldn't. The process shouldn't do that. But the process can do that if you're not paying attention to the corrosiveness of um, your ego, of your mind telling you that you need another haircut or you need to shave today or you need to dot, dot, dot in order to feel a little bit better about yourself. To feel better about yourself, you need to do the work, not the haircut. Agreed. Yeah. You guys got any other points on that? I got a couple comments here I want to hit, but go ahead. Let's, let's look good? at the okay. comments, man. So, <clears throat> uh, Dr. C is in the house. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, there is a strong association between body dysmorphia and child abuse. In addition, it's usually comor comorbid with anxiety, OCD, and other psychiatric disorders. And this is something yeah, I wanted I was to gonna, <laughs> go for. I was it. actually going to mention something like that. So, um, I think that's probably part of why my body dysmorphia was pretty active. 
because, um, man, I got some serious anxiety. So for me, it was more of a control factor. How much can I get control? How much can I do with myself? And um, ex like ex removing the external factors. I wouldn't even pay attention to anything. It was all just about what I was doing and um, hearing down. So like prepping for a show, like Karen said, I would be doing prepping for a show, not even dieting, like weeks in advance. Like I'd be tanning myself and I'm already dark. <laughs> like I'd be tanning like e almost every single day. <laughs> so, and I, I have alopecia and I would still shave. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was out of control. <laughs> so I can relate to that OCD anxiety and uh, relation to the child abuse. Yeah. It's uh, you got some turn. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to go off of that too. Um, one of the things I tried to do the most during my prep was to stay off of social media, but stay off of social media with respect to other athletes that are competing mm. because social media portrays that perfect life, right? Uh, it's a snapshot of, of what's going on. And especially in bodybuilding, it's not, a, it's, it's not the, no, not everyone's going to be up in the, in the audience watching you do your, your performance or your, um, they're going to see the, the stage photos at the end. And those stage photos are meant to be a perfect snapshot of your physique at that time. Same with before that. Everyone's pumping up their egos. They're trying to get into the, like you said, they're putting on their armor, getting ready to go, you know, go to battle. So they're, you, you're posting stuff, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I post stuff to hopefully try and get into my, my competitors' heads. I mean, that it's might psychological be warfare, baby. And, and mm -hmm. vice versa. And uh, two weeks out, I had a, you know, I, scrolling through the instagram and um i scrolled past somebody that i was competing against and my anxiety and ocd just got the better of me and i was like you know shit right. i'm not ready for this watch the language we weren't ready for oh, that sorry Poop. <laughs> i'm not ready for this right like i I'm, i gotta I, I gotta i gotta be better than this and spirals out of out of and i think that just comes from um what dr c said with the anxiety and the ocd of being obsessed with it at that point in time and seeing yeah. somebody that may be better than you <laughs> and having a humble pie. Yeah. I think uh, uh, so OCD or obsession or however we want to frame it in this moment, I think it's not a bad thing as long as you can use it in a positive fashion. And so I like for myself and my athletes, I would encourage them to do reconnaissance on their competition. And if they knew their competition, then to engage in the competition before we were competing. Yeah. And so that's just the way it was. I was, if we were traveling to a, an international competition guaranteed weeks beforehand, I was already laying the groundwork for psychological warfare because it ain't tiddlywinks. <laughs> I don't treat competition as a, eh, whatever, we're going to fly to another country and see if we can do our best. Oh no, it's freaking game on. It's on like Donkey Kong. And so the level of competition that I consider as competition is it's not that there's no holds barred. You have to be, you have to be a righteous competitor, but that leaves a lot of the playing field open to bring in psychological warfare. And so, if you don't, if if you're new to the game of competing and you're looking at your competition and you're not used to the idea of psychological warfare, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Stay off the social media until you get to yeah. the start line. Because <laughs> if you're competing against me, you're already like half lost. Yeah. That's just the way it is because I'm going to bring the heat long before the, the race gun goes off. Yeah. And so it's not ideal for everyone to do reconnaissance on their competition. But if, you, if you've got a strong mind, then uh, it's, it's a good thing. It can really sharpen your competitiveness. Yeah, to the point of um, using our say our mental health issues to our advantage i.e like for psychological warfare i would do that <laughs> and uh, so but i was never the biggest guy when i would compete in bodybuilding i would uh, but i definitely could be the most leanest so i would just find the people that i was competing against and make sure that i would step on stage and would be undeniable based upon my leanness factor because i would never be bigger than anybody so um taking full advantage of <laughs> how lean I could get, and then also uh, making sure that my competitors knew how much more leaner I could get than them. It's part of the battle. <laughs> I, can I just add to that? Yeah, man. I think, I think the, what I'd like to say is um, on the days where I was having the most body dysmorphia, where you know I was feeling flat, as we, we call it in bodybuilding, 
those were the days where I really tried to stay away from the outside distractions. Mm. When I'm mentally tough is when I go and I look for it. And when I'm feeling those crap days, those character building days, those are the days I, I kind of pull away from going to where I know is going to cause the most havoc in my own mind. I think that's just something to, to think about if you're having the, the body dysmorphias on those days. You need to be real with yourself and not put yourself in a situation where you're going to spiral. That's yeah. an important point, pal, because what you've just outlined is the awareness yes. of it. And if you're in it and you're not aware of it, then the only, I won't go to, so far as to say the only hope you've got, the best chance you've got if you're in it and you're not aware of it is the people around you letting you know. And so, you know, just I'll, maybe we should have done this right at the start for body dysmorphia. It's perceived flaws. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with any of us as long as we think that we're okay. But if you think you're not okay, now it's a perceived not okay. And if you perceive that you're not okay, then it's for you to figure out why you're not okay. And you're always going to be not okay until you get to the meat and potatoes of why do I feel not okay? So if you're not feeling anything and you... And, and you're in the thick of things and you're concerned about getting your third haircut for the day. Well, it's someone's job to say, hey, man, you don't need a third haircut. How about let's focus on uh, walking around the block for the first time in 10 years. And so the idea is maybe you do know, maybe you don't know. But if you, if you do know that body dysmorphia is a thing for you, then set your boundaries to stay out of it as much as you can. And every once in a while, if you got to step into it to get your calibration, for lack of a better term, then in and out like guerrilla warfare. Yeah. I'll say this uh, one, one other piece that I want to add, because I, I don't want to um, propose that I have had my uh, program wired so tight that I'm not, uh, I don't face these kind of things myself, or I'm immune to these kind of things, because that's not true. But I'm going to come at it from a bit of a different angle. So uh, a couple of days ago, I put up a post uh, about my 2008 World Championship 24-hour solo mountain bike race, heinous weather. And uh, the reason I put that up is to talk a little bit about loss and how to manage it and this and that and the other thing. So as I was reading the verbiage from my post back in 2008 about that race, what I didn't put up in my post of the other day is some verbiage that uh, did occur. And, and it's important to this conversation. I didn't think I'd talk about it, but it makes sense now. So when I finished the race in 2008, placed second, it's not that I was bummed because I gave it all that I could, but it still stings to play second instead of winning. When I woke up the next morning, I'd already set up my next morning. And my next morning right next to uh, the bed was the fridge, the uh, hotel room fridge, and a bag of Miss Vicky's already laid out. So I woke up in the morning, I cracked a beer, which is a beautiful chocolate stout, and I put my bag, my hand into the bag of Miss Vicky's. That was my breakfast, beer and potato chips. <laughs> but breakfast of champions. That, yeah, why not? And so before that breakfast, what I had done leading up to that race is I had had no chips and no beer for several months because leading up to the race, I did this blink, blink. Now it's done. Now I'm on trajectory. There will be no chips. There will be no sea salt and, and vinegar Miss Vicky's, which I love, love more than life itself. So no Miss Vicky's, no beer. Cause back then I was drinking beer in 2008, not much, but I love the, I love the real good beers. So Stripped it all out, but then quote unquote celebrated the very next morning after a world championship with my hand in a bag of chips and a beer in my hand at whatever, nine o'clock in the morning. Now that is not my MO. That is not my, the way I run my program ever, but I'm not going to pretend that I didn't do that. And it's not that it happened by accident. I planned it because to me, it was a moment of not celebration per se, but recognition of how I kicked ass, kicked my own ass. I'd made certain sacrifices, and now I was going to pull the trigger on chips and beer at a ridiculous time in the morning. But why not? 
Well, what do you know. guys think? But did, it, but did it stop at that, or did she continue it for days and days and days and days? No, it it, it stopped at that. Uh, okay, so I, I'll I'll give you. Yeah, fair enough. Sorry, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll share my experience in that kind of <laughs> piggybacking off what you said. So after, so I mean, after every show, even after actually my first blue belt tournament, I dropped two weight classes just to do it. My first uh, blue belt tournament, I dropped from uh, middleweight down to lightweight to see how that would be, and um, so you know I weighed like one sixty three, I think, and I'm normally like one ninety. And uh, I probably spent about two weeks straight just stuff in my face because I had to starve myself for, I don't know, 12 weeks. So 12 weeks of not eating anything. And then I, what I have, I had like crushed two pizzas that night, ice cream day after day, like just excessive amounts of food that um, eventually, like doing things like that created a, a bit of an eating disorder for me in that every time I would deprive myself from eating certain things, I would just binge all over the place. I would like. I remember my first bodybuilding show over ten years ago. I gained twenty five pounds in two days. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Water that's so not inflammation healthy. And all the, and <laughs> no, and but that, I mean that's what I was doing. I, I, I would drop and then I would excessively eat and then blown up. It was very very unhealthy lifestyle in terms of how I was managing it at the time for sure. Yeah, but you probably didn't see it at the time. I mean, you probably didn't mm-hmm. understand how unhealthy that was. Did the people around no. you, though? No, they thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. No one around me. I mean, we didn't We didn't know, right? We didn't have any ideas. Like, we're, we're, we're um, essentially starving ourselves for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then we'd be taught, all of us as a collective, I'd have a group of guys we'd be training with all the time. We'd be like, okay, afterwards, what are we going to eat? How are we going to crush? Like, you know, and we would gain weight like i'd probably be sitting around i don't know nine percent ten percent body fat on stage and then balloon up to 20 percent body fat and like not very long and uh, i understood that that didn't feel good but i didn't understand uh, how to get out of that at the time anyway mm-hmm. you you bring up a, a good point and i wanted to bring up this point a little bit earlier with um doc c's uh, comment but <clears throat> is that there's a big difference between feeling body dysmorphic and having body dysmorphia disorder or an eating disorder. And those things are when, you know, the reason it's considered disorder is that there's an inability to control your own actions. Yeah. Like a long standing pattern. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. basically what it comes down to, right? Is that it, and, and from what I, the, from what I've read about this, it a lot of it comes down to treatment wise is that you have to reteach yourself how to do these things. Mm-hmm. So my experience with some people that have had uh, eating disorders when they've told me about their recovery, a lot of it is just learning to eat again and learning how to break the habit of um, either eating and or binging and purging or long st- long standing times of starving yourself too. Right. Yeah. So there's it's a uh, relearning of a skill. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I, I'll, where the shift started happening for me, like I had pretty disordered eating for a while in terms of like just binging a lot. <clears throat> it happened, started, shift happened when I started Jiu Jitsu. When I first started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is when the shift actually started happening because I needed food to properly perform mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to um, binge and eat like crazy. And the other people around me weren't really eating like that either. So over a period of time, I learned how to kind of move away from the way I was eating from a bodybuilding perspective and into a more performance space. So I, I credit jujitsu for that, to be honest. Great point. Can I turn? Yeah. uh, I just, something that came to mind too is um, for my own weight gain. um, Some of that was, you know, I I take full responsibility for putting food into my own body, But some of that too, just with the nature of who we are as, as where we come from, from our background, guys dealing with anxiety and PTSD and, you know, whatever other things you develop when you get out or, or you're in the military, we often go, go on to medication, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. However, understand the medications I think is more important and what those medications may do to your chemistry, yeah, i.e., um, I have, you know, I have an anxiety medication that I take in the nighttime, uh, meritazepine. 
that that in that's used um, on people who have eating disorders to help them. Or sorry, who have an issue like bulimia, where they have you know they're not eating. This is this is a, a medication that helps to try and improve their eating. So I was taking this for anxiety, not for uh, for you know an eating disorder. And I was putting on the weight because I was extra hungry due to the medication I was putting right. in my system. And I didn't register that at that point in time until later on where I was like, oh, man. So I, th- I think recognizing what you're putting into your body with medication-wise, too, is important. And Super I'll piggyback off of that for those both of us for taking medications and cannabis as well. Cannabis does release certain hormones that will precipitate an active um hunger <laughs> getting them munchies in <laughs> yeah so uh so you gotta be uh absolutely also gotta be cog- you also gotta be cognizant of that too 100 percent. at least me <laughs> yeah sean you got any points or i got more yeah the uh you it's it's good that you guys are raising these points but at the end of the day you go to sleep you wake up in the morning if you're 147 pounds heavier and you yeah. see that in the mirror there's no pretending <laughs> No. You know, and so we can, it's, it's great to talk about all of the external variables that can either positively or negatively impact our physiology or our metabolism or whatever. But at the end of the day, there has to be a reckoning with yourself. And so the point being that I see a lot of, again, men's mental health month. I see a lot of fellas out there that uh, have replaced activity with talk or actions with thoughts. And so body dysmorphia and eating disorders, they, they'll always exist. It, you, you will always be victim to them if you're not actively engaging in doing something in your life to change your life. There's, we can be victim to all kinds of things or not. It's yeah. for us to action against those items. And I know if you're deep into body dysmorphia or if you have a deep eating disorder, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's easy or, or just by tomorrow, just have it all sorted out. That's not my point. This is my point. If you're not aware of your body dysmorphia, then it's for someone around you to help you out. And even if you just have a, a, a hint of a, mm, I think I've got an unhealthy relationship with food, ask around or just listen to what we're talking about here today and challenge yourself with this thought man, is there a better way that I can do this? And then either look, look out online for an online nutrition coach or look around your circle of friends for advice on who to talk to locally or find a way to get a cold eye review on how you're running your program. Because you might think that you're doing it really well, and you might be, but there's always a better way to do it with help of others. 100%. Um. Yeah. On that, I'll just share where my um, what was my turning point for me with with my eating, and what where I was with weight. Um, I had taken a picture with uh, I've got like a uh, a finger hanging board for for rock climbing, and you've got some grooves in it. And I put a couple cams, and I cl- I climb a lot out out here. And I'm trying to get my young daughter or my oldest daughter into it, so I had her hooked up with a harness, and I had her you know, up to my chest height and we took a picture together. And in that picture, you can see my, my belly. <laughs> and, uh, I had a good, uh, you know, a friend of mine, um, who, who his comment was, man, you got fat, bro. I can't even see your right? climbing harness. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. It pissed me off at the, in, in that moment. Cause I, um, uh, I have nothing, you know, I don't want to come on here and sound pretentious, like, uh, you know, just because you're over overweight or obese, um, you're worthless. But like, I've been, a, you know, 150, 160 pounds for, for a very long time. So to put on 60 pounds and see that in a picture and then have somebody comment and say, man, you are fat was uh, it was not a nice feeling. And uh, I didn't I did not enjoy that feeling. I think it was having somebody who was going to be honest with you is really important um and that doesn't is that have... what is that what it would have is that what it took or is there another way that it could have been done that would have created the change but with less sting no i think i needed the sting i think i needed a real like real life perspective as to what somebody else saw of me um and again it 
everyone has opinions, right? So it doesn't necessarily, I'm not saying you should just take everything everyone says to heart and change yourself because of whatever cool. other people are saying. But if something that somebody says to you hurts, it might be true. That's where I'm going. But I think it, so the person that said that to you, was it a friend that you actually respected? Yes. Yeah. He, we, we play rugby together. Yeah. We, well, there you yeah. have it. So if, if it was a random person, <laughs> sorry, yeah, that's a, something different, right? That's a really so good it point. To, it, it has to come from somebody that, uh, you respect otherwise it's going to be very difficult for you to listen to what they're saying yeah yeah and it has to synchronize with the reality of the moment like if someone says bro i can't see your climbing harness anymore <laughs> and you look down and you can't see your climbing harness well yeah you are yeah. fat <laughs> and there's no duck dodging and diving it but the good news is it's you to control it and yeah. like you can either choose to get fatter or you can choose to get healthier and, and it sucks that it's a binary, almost accusatory statement, but that's just the reality of the moment, you know? You need to get called out sometimes, absolutely. Every once in a while, it doesn't <laughs> hurt to call someone out and it's, or and be it's called good out. To have those, and it's good to have those people around you that will do that. Yeah, Having those 100%. people around you that, you know, you're all alike. Like if you're all fat or obese or overweight, well, then you yeah. have a problem. Who's going to say something? You gotta, you gotta kind of have people around you that are gonna be in a lifestyle that's gonna be beneficial for your outcome, like the outcomes that you want, right? So, well, I think, like you said, it has to be respect of somebody that you respect, because I actually don't think that you know his comment wasn't meant for anything. You know, he was just being, he was just being a dude. He was just, just being, being a dude, buddy, right? Yeah. And uh, loud and clear, <laughs> that's Check. what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> it's um. <clears throat> It's a really good thing. I mean, Sean and Satch have sat in here on this show and given me a couple of wake up <laughs> calls. And I wanted we to all talk need them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wanted to talk, say this because a, what is a wake up call, right? It is somebody else waking you out of slumber, right? And that's basically what you're in when you're in that pattern of whatever pattern it is. You're asleep in it because it's a pattern. You're just doing it without thought. And it takes thought either from yourself or from somebody else to make that call and say, wake up. It's time to change. It's time to do something I think, different. I think that's what, what's so awesome about having collective, man. Like it really is having something like this so that we have various different people talking about these things that can call people out from time to time, or someone can watch this and then watch it to understand that there's other perspectives that you can do things better. I mean, it's really awesome to have this platform, man. It really is. And and further to that, it's it doesn't even have to be about us. I mean, yeah. maybe we don't have to be the representation of how to discuss body dysmorphia and eating disorders. I can easily reference a guy who recently started following me on Instagram, uh, Salty Jinx one one one, I believe, is the call sign, and uh, he's he's a dude who was mega fat. I mean, he was obese. By his own words, not my words, his words. And so he was, he's, he's dropped over a hundred pounds, if I recall correctly, over awesome. a period of time. And like this morning, I watched him uh, rucksacking down the road. He had a hundred pounds in his ruck. I think he did two miles and he just got his thing going. And as he was talking about his thing, he described it as such. And I 100% agree with this dude. Create a pattern of life, your life pattern. It's as simple as that. He, he was talking about routine and discipline and committing to the process and being the change that you want to be and all of that good stuff. But it comes down to this routine, Action. discipline, pattern of life. And I love, I love seeing stories like his because it's not that because he lost so much weight. That's not what impresses me. What impresses me is the commitment every day towards becoming better. And over time, it just shows up. The outcome will become the outcome that it's supposed to be based on the work that you put in, the folks you put in, the discipline that you put in. A year, two, 10 years from now, your outcome is earned thoughtfully. I think, it's also, I think it's important to also mention that it, might, it doesn't take two, five, 10 years sometimes too. Correct. It didn't take him 10 years. Right? So you can be consistent for a period of time and you'll see some significant changes within a short order really like when it comes to at least losing weight or getting active 
like within three months, if you're consistent, like definitely see a difference, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, the difference. So, buddy, the difference that you might see might be ten pounds. If, if you if you've got a hundred pounds to lose, you might see a ten pound drop, mm-hmm. which is notable. It's ten percent, but here's the way more important part. Now you're freaking in control of your destiny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're running the program created. now. It's yeah. your trajectory, not your victim to the trajectory. Mm-hmm. You're actively carving out the forward path for yourself. You lost 10 pounds. Good. But more importantly, your brain knows that you're now in control. There, you're going to love this, Sean. And Taryn, I'll get to you in a second. Uh, <laughs> Salty's watching right now. Oh, uh, wow. he's, yeah. He states... I find coming from the other end of the spectrum and losing large amounts of weight, I still see myself the way I was. I find it's a reminder uh, to keep pushing myself to train. He's got a couple here, so just hold on a second. He said, I had to treat binge eating disorder like a drug addiction in my case. And absolutely. And again, that comes, you know, at the very base of it, I think it's Mm -hmm. pattern pattern interruption, right? You're Mm -hmm. changing stuff. And he goes, uh, you need the sting to be a gut check. You need a catalyst to look at yourself, and unfortunately, that usually the one that's usually the one that hits the buttons. He went from three eighty down to one ninety. Yeah, wow. I, awesome. I wanted to say nearly two hundred, but I didn't want to misquote. Yeah, just over the two year mark. Wow, so that's insane! Outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, but what's you know really what's that, what is outstanding? It's not the weight loss to me. Mm. It's it. I appreciate his mindset the most. I appreciate his positive attitude the most, whether he weighs 4 million pounds or four pounds, you know, that's just an outcome, but it's his mind that I appreciate the most right now. He went from this to that, Mm -hmm. and it's a big deal in my opinion. It's a huge Uh, deal because he's created the pattern and a new sort of discipline that he can apply in different areas. If he wants to excel in other areas now, because he's created that pattern just with Losing weight, like to lose weight, lose to almost 200 pounds is not easy, man. And to, to create that behavior and that pattern, man, he could probably do anything he wants to now that he's created that sort of understanding. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, there, there's one other thing that I'd like to hit on before we come up to, uh, we're almost wrapping up here soon. And that's um, for guys out there, again, Men's Mental Health Month, for any guy out there who's struggling with body dysmorphia or eating disorders. We've talked a little bit about obesity, but there's also, of course, bulimia, there's under eating, there's all kinds of issues with body Mm -hmm. dysmorphia and eating disorders that we haven't really touched on. But one that concerns me the most, to be honest, and it's in the veteran community, because that's one that I track the the, the tightest, is um, there's there's guys out there that are carrying, carrying an extra 100 pounds around, and their kids are checking it out. So like, Man, if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your freaking kids. And am I putting pressure on right now? I'm not putting shame pressure on. I'm just calling it the way it is. Do it for your kids. If your five-year-old and six-year-old and eight-year-old is standing next to your hip and looking up at you and can't see your face because of your belly, what kind of, not standard, but what kind of an example are you setting? I'm seeing veterans out there right now who are living an extremely unhealthy food relationship lifestyle, and they're teaching their kids the same thing. Their kids are almost uh, handicapped already because they haven't been set up for success as a child to engage in a healthy eating relationship. And so if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your kids. It's a fantastic point. Turn. I'm trying to I'm trying to think how to say this the right way. <clears throat> when I left the military was when I when I actually learned about nutrition properly, learned how to take care of my body properly. Unfortunately, because we as uh, in in the infantry, any combat arms, any any it doesn't actually doesn't really matter. You're 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 an athlete, you're a soldier, right? Like you're physically supposed you you know have a high very high demand job, and that's something that I I thought was a little weird. Um, when I went into skeleton, I, I didn't have much of a a biomechanical and, and macronutrient like understanding. It wasn't until I left the military where I had people actually explain it to me where I look back hindsight and man, I'm like, man, if I only knew this when I was in the military, if I only knew you lifting this, like not just beasting yourself in CrossFit every day and, and not, you know, those are the things that I, 
I encountered, right? Um, you know, go to the MIR, you get you get a uh, muscle relaxant, and you're going back out to do the same thing the next day, right? There, yes, there's a time and a place, and I understand the job demand and what we're we're there to do. Um, however, I think had we did more in, in preventative um, education on the nutrition and um, training side of things, we would have a lot less. We would have a lot less. Um, it, veterans needing veterans affairs <laughs> i agree yeah. i it's a totally missed opportunity in respect to nutrition and performance when i was my entire military career i was taught the square root of zero on that uh, subject and and not only does it set a guy up for failure once he leaves the military to some degree it's a freaking missed opportunity to make that that soldier a super soldier i was supposed to be a super soldier but it was all on my own cognizance. It was all on my own guesswork. It was all on my own, well, I'll try this, but that's not the way it should be. It's a total missed opportunity within the military. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, we do have a couple more comments I want to hit because they are uh, really reflective of what we're talking about. Uh, Astro Ranger has a question here, and I'm going to get right back to you, Astro, once I hit some of these comments. Just want to make sure that you know that we're coming. Um, <clears throat> Carl says, Knowing boundaries are key. This is one of the, the key things. We've already talked about it, but it is 100% true. Um, Jason? Hang on a sec. Setting yeah. boundaries is key. Then Setting knowing what yes. you've set as a boundary is Correct. the routine. Yes. Good point. Um, Jason says, it's got to be the mind before the body. Mental health becomes physical health, and physical health further enhances mental, uh, mental health. It's the best positive feedback loop. But it can be tricky too because you can spend your entire life working on mental health and then not actually working the physical side of it. And to your guys' point, I was a victim to my post-traumatic stress for three, four years before I actually started working on it. I was a victim to my own nutritional uh, interests up until what? Four months, two months ago? (laughs) Two months ago. Um, So, it's not about time or like, oh, I sh- I'm 40 or I'm 50 or I'm 20 or should have been taught then or this or whatever. Really is as soon as you are aware of it, do something about Take it. Take action. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so back to uh, for Jason's comment, how I interpreted that was r- control your mind. Yeah. The mind is the first position. Your mind will do what it wants to do with the body. I tell my body to shut up and execute. And so the body doesn't run the program. The mind runs the program. That's how I read his comment. I, 100%. So just, to, just to what you just said there, Sean, I think also requires practice to figure that out. I'm only yes. understanding that now in terms of pushing, using my mind to push my body and actually what that actually means. So that requires some effort and some time and some focus yeah. to figure out what that actually means. Yeah, the the best thing is just start. And then many decades later, you might know a little bit more. Like I know next to nothing about it maybe, but when I started several decades ago, I know more now than I did then. And I do know that my my brain runs the entire program. Roger. Um, <clears throat> so uh, quickly, Salty Jinx hits us back with, I think we missed the point on eating and train as an organization where everyone is supposed to be operational athletes. We're paid for it, but we gloss over it and put the responsibility on the person, which I think is accurate. Um, but it, well, could, it be is easily, accurate. could be easily sorted with you know, two or three classes. <laughs> when yeah, you're going 100%. Through. Yeah. I mean, uh, the same could be said as operational athletes. Uh, uh, we're supposed to show up uh, knowing how to use weapons, but we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're supposed to know how to do the obstacle course, but we don't. And so these are things as a young buck at 18, when you don't know anything about anything and you join an institution, the institution should arm you up. Mm-hmm. 100%. And me really, it behooves the, the organization to teach people how to be nutritious as they teach people how to use weapons, as they teach people how to do push-ups. Like everything about that should be... they. There are classes on how to use a friggin' claw hammer. You're telling me you can't put a class in on how to eat correctly? Like, that just it... no, you can't. And here's why: because uh, command doesn't understand it. Yeah, 
because junior leadership and senior leadership doesn't understand it. If you're asking a warrant officer to sit down in front of 100 uh, soldiers and explain nutrition, nine times out of 10, nutrition is going to be misspelled. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just the way it is, man. I mean, because yeah. that's yeah. not the focus right now, but that's where the focus should be. Well, we have, a re you know, we, the PSP, right? We have that resource. That resource is there. These are people that are trained professionals in, in nutri nutrition and, and exercise. And yes, we use them, but I think also... Uh, our mindset as like young soldiers is like, ah, we got it. We're going to go do PT with the PSP. Like, it's not a, a positive. It's never like, guys, we're going to go learn how to do exercise. We're going to go learn how to do nutrition so that you can effectively optimize your performance on the battlefield. Right? Like that's not, because yeah, it's not framed properly. No, it's not, it is not framed. it's not explained <laughs> properly. It's not delivered as the message properly. No, I, I think this goes not just into the military, but into society well, at large. Is even the fact that uh, what's that? Even law enforcement is the same case. Yeah, yeah, it's that's what I mean. Everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it. Is really it's across the board. Like we don't teach kids in school how to eat properly because a lot of the parents and the teachers don't know how to eat properly. So it becomes this cycle. But again, we are society, and that's what this is for, right? This is this is part of it. This is us having the conversation, saying, "Hey, we could do it better. Let's all do it better." Um, I got. I'm going to have to not do, do some it, of these buddy. comments, hit, but okay. Hit him fast. Okay. So Gerben says, dang it, late to the party again. One of the problems with eating disorders is that you can avoid alcohol. You can avoid the casino, et cetera. Uh, not saying it's easy though, but you can never get away from food. You always have to maintain that relationship with food. And that makes dealing with eating disorders particularly hard to deal with. And I, I do agree with him, but I also state this point earlier that kind of tickled my uh, brain is that you can avoid alcohol and you can avoid casinos, but neither one of those two things will fix the problem because you're avoiding something. You're not actually dealing with the problem. So if you have a gambling addiction or you have a problem with alcohol, just not being near it is not fixing the problem. It's part of it, right? But that's not actually fixing the problem. So same thing with food is that you have to change your relationship with food, not fix it or make it go away. You just have to change it. Yeah, and, and work so hard or work so hard you can eat whatever you want <laughs> yeah that's right go, yeah. and that, that was going to be my point and and let's say that gerben knows where hooper's bakery is and uh and he's got an intimate relationship with uh, the baked goods there well as you're standing in front of the mirror if you think i'm i'm carrying an extra 30 pounds that i'm not happy about it's not about the pastry it's about the inaction and so you can create a healthy relationship with food for the rest of your life and never get off your couch and you ain't going to be a healthy individual. It's there's two phases to this. There's eating well, correctly, smart, intelligently, nutritionally, and all of that good stuff. And then there's activity to burn off those pastries, etc. And so a healthy relationship with food is important. A healthy relationship with activity is important. Yeah. 100%. Like as you saw, just when we started this, I was eating a pastry. <laughs> I'll be You're eating gonna a go pastry in half an hour. <laughs> but, I, but, I ran 30, but I ran 30K yesterday. <laughs> right. There you go. So I can. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's a great point. Um, we had uh, one final one from Asher Ranger. He says, on January 4th, I was 315.6 pounds, and right now I'm 256. What can I do to prevent things like eating disorders or body dysmorphia? I think we did cover this kind of at the beginning of the show, but um, really mindset what do you guys think quickly for me it was mindset as soon as i read that i saw 256 pounds and i thought man he might even be able to join us at operation pegasus jump if he loses a little bit more weight Ooh, you know what i'm saying and so mm -hmm. it's all about why are you doing what you're doing if you're not doing it for yourself then what are you doing it for you've got an external variable that you're doing it for what's your driver why are you in the game that's the focus for sure Hundred percent. I like that. Um, okay, so that's that's all the comments I got here. But let's do some final thoughts. Taryn, what do you got? Um, I guess I would say, and we just talked about it, is you got to put equal parts into your physical and equal parts into your nutrition. But they got to be synergistic. Um, if you want to continue on losing the weight or being able to eat what you want to eat, you you got to do it on the other end too. It just can't be focused on just eating. Uh, you could eat a lot of good food, but you can eat too much if you're not doing 
the exercise on the other side. Just focus mm-hmm. on both things, not just one. I like it. Satch? Let's start with education first. Learn about food. Understand what food is. What's nutrition? How does it fuel the body? What's necessary? What isn't necessary? And then go from there. Because, you know, starting the activity piece might be difficult for some people, but it doesn't hurt to open a book. Mm-hmm. Sean? Yeah, it's it's such a huge subject. And I will say this, that if nothing that we said today stuck, didn't make you pause and think, or didn't give you a trajectory forward, if you're literally right now sitting there shrugging your shoulders and scratching your head and thinking, what do I do next? I'd encourage you to find a nutritional coach somewhere, either locally or online that is respected or has been referenced to you by people that you trust. Find some guidance. If you can read all you want out on the internet and never put two and two together to equal four, if you don't bump into the right people out there in the wild. So if you're struggling to find a better way to do things, seek a professional who knows a lot about nutrition and they'll help guide you further ahead down the trajectory. I like that. Uh, you know, it goes into basically everything we say here is that you got to pay to play. And, you know, if uh, it, it, whether that is monetarily, whether that is physically, whether that is mentally, whether it is anything, you got to buy in. And if you don't, then nothing will change. You'll wake yeah, but up here's the good news. Sleep. Freaking buy in. Because exactly. it's rad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you think you're having fun on in life right now, buy in double down buy-in and it is gonna be mega so pursue betterment because it is so worth it yeah could not agree more it is uh it's pretty awesome when you life can be pretty awesome when you want it to be awesome and it can be uh it can be even better if you want it to be so as we learn about our own body as we build upon the our own betterment we can grow as people as men we'll see y'all tomorrow gmail gmail